I'm Chris Changyan Phillips. Wait, I'm not. I'm Nathan Fung, and this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Emiskwichi Weskaigan, on Treaty 6 territory. We take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, then we find out the answers together. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This episode, we're continuing to look at the old Mirama Dim Sum restaurant what it meant for the Chinese Canadians who frequented it, and how it eventually fell into decline. This time I'll be looking more into the history of the restaurant, how it intersects with Chinatown history, and how and why did it close down. Today we start off at the Dynasty Century Palace restaurant, located at the top of Pacific Rim Mall at 97th Street. In several ways, Dynasty sort of filled the hole that Miramel left when it closed down. It attracted some of its old staff, as well as its old clientele. But today, I was there to meet... My name is Lan Chan Marpos, and I am actually with uh, the Chinese Benevolent Association on the board of the Chinese Benevolent Association. My name's uh, Games Choi. Uh, I'm the, with the ASSIST, the chair of ASSIST Community Services Center. And uh, actually, it's very close to uh, Merama, and uh, it, it's good. The organization so close right now. Even now, we can have dim sum so close, and the same within a few blocks. <laughs> I reached out to Land for this project because she's super involved with the Chinese community here in Edmonton. She's also super knowledgeable about Chinatown history. And after I reached out to her, she suggested meeting up here for lunch at Dynasty. Full disclosure, yes, they did buy me lunch, despite my multiple attempts to pay for myself. So one, one other thing we did, I do remember is, remember we, uh, when ASIS was located in the Edmonton Chinatown um, Multicultural Center? Multicultural Center, yes. Uh, we had uh, link programs, which is the uh, for newcomers, the language uh, instruction uh, program for newcomers, and in the summertime when we tr- we try to run our summer programs, there's no space in the multicultural center, no classrooms for us because they were they were running their own uh, summer camp, um, and so we actually had to find space outside um, uh, the multicultural center to run our uh, summer link classes, and one of the places we did. Uh, secure was um, we rented um, a space in uh, Upper level of uh, Marama Mall, shopping mall. So uh, on a third floor, I the think. Third floor, yeah. And then we actually used that as our uh, summer classroom for link classes. <laughs> I remember <laughs> all the link teachers were <laughs> complaining because they had to move their students away. Oh, the students loved it because the, just below the on the second floor, they can go for dim sum right after class. Yeah. I wanted to talk to Lan about her thoughts on Mirama and its connection to Chinatown history as a whole. There's also another reason why we decided to come out here, but I'll get to that in a bit. Lan, I think you were saying something about how it was... You said something very really interesting earlier about how it was re- relatively new when it was first built, like the novelty of it and how it was different from like the other like buildings in Chinatown or something. Well, um, I would say that um, Games mentioned that it was actually um, they rented. It was a warehouse, and they renovated the space, and then added on the Chinese uh, architectural uh, features to it. 
Um, because there weren't that many uh, buildings outside of the multicultural center, and even the multi, you know, that has those distinct uh, Chinese uh, architecture feature, um, it made it very, uh, it made it uh, stand out, uh, especially in uh, in ja uh, along Jasper Avenue, what we call Chinatown South, where there aren't, there weren't that many Chinese restaurants there. In fact, uh, Marama ended up being the one of the the restaurant that was located in that uh, South Chinatown on Jasper Avenue. And this is why it became so popular because there weren't that many other restaurants. Even though there were other restaurants to come and go, uh, they didn't last very long. But the fact that uh, you have a very Chinese looking building there and people drive by would notice it. So it's, I would say, I think the that's what sticks in people's mind is the look of the building itself. It's very Chinese looking, um, where you can't really, even here, if you come down to 97th Street, um, a lot of the, the buildings itself, outside 97th Street uh, Market, it's not, it's very Canadian. It's not distinctively Chinese. I think that's the big difference. So not only was it like distinctively Chinese with that like big canopy, yeah, right. But also it was big. It was three stories high. It, it's huge. It's got the the distinctive yellow and red, uh, you know, the Chinese color. It's got the pillars, um, and then it's got the the words in uh, both Chinese and English. So just the color alone is quite impressive and the fact that it was right next to Alex Taylor school where a lot of Chinese immigrant children have went to school there um, I think that um, that's and the parents when they dropped the, the kids there I'm sure that they probably went for them some <laughs> at Marama right um, immediately following that but it's it's the location and the fact that, like I say, we, we're kind of, um, we don't really have a lot of Chinese restaurants in that area. Well, for sure, uh, that is the biggest uh, restaurant handling over five to 600 people. Uh, it's definitely the center for the Chinatown, all the Chinese community, all the gathering banquet. That's why uh, one of the really representing the, the major traffic for the Chinatown uh, uh, Chinese community. I, I think um, it's also when you sort of said earlier that like that's what made it new. That's what made it like distinct, especially when it was back back in its heyday, when it was like early on. So basically, I think that uh, the grocery store before uh, United Grocer started, right? Sure. Yeah. So uh, in terms, again, that area, that part of Chinatown by Jasper Avenue, there's not many places where you, there, uh, you can go and buy Chinese uh, vegetables or grocery stores or gift, gifts that are uh, distinctly Chinese. Um, this is why um, I, I think the idea behind having a plaza there is, um, is to build um, a, a mall there to accommodate the uh, people living in that area 
that makes it easier for them to go and do uh, grocery shopping that uh, and buy Chinese vegetables and other food, as well as there's a gift shop there, um, and the gift shop you know where people can there's there were clothing, jewelry, and and jade and other Chinese crafts that you can buy. And again, um, for gifts, it was very popular, not just with the Chinese, it's non-Chinese love going there to uh, pick up uh, stuff for, for themselves as well too, uh, as a souvenir or else uh, something they want to take home to display. Um, I, I noticed that um, people love going there and, and shopping, like there's no other place where you around Chinatown that you can do that. In, in Chinatown South. You, you have to come up to 97th Street to do that. Actually, if I'm, my memory is right, Mirama shopping, shopping mall, I, I call it, that parser, I think the first one, but not many years later, I think within a few years, this is the dynasty building, it's, this is shopping mall building, it's built just way a few years after. Okay. So, so that came first and then this came afterwards. If I recall it right. It's not, not far away. It's just a few years. Uh, that time is similar because there's uh, unemployment high. They can uh, do uh, higher loss of unemployment. Uh, 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 in, it's not skillful people to, to do all the job. And, and, and the architect did have a lot of problem with the contractor doing this building as well. And even that time, they start building the cultural center as well around that area. Oh, that that yeah, area, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, but, and but I think there's a, a big connection to you know we uh, we talked about the building of Canada Place, and we lost all the Chinese businesses uh, that used to be located where Canada Place is now. Mm -hmm. And the hope was that um, the second Chinatown, because that's Canada Place is where first Chinatown and original Chinatown was built. And with the loss of that, everybody was hoping they could move uh, across uh, 97th Street and to, um, to 96th Street and, 90, and relocate along 96th and 95th Street. And it was during that time in the 1980s, 1981, that I would say this is the reason for, for the relocation because uh, the Chinese were, were able to shop on those, uh, in those grocery shops, stores, but they can't do, no longer do that. And I think that it was around the same time that the shopping mall, uh, Marama Shopping Mall Plaza, was built, and then some of the businesses relocated there. And I, th I think that was to kind of uh, replace the shopping, um, the stores that used to be where Canada Place is. I, and I think that might be one of the incentive behind that, okay. to have that plaza. So that's one of the more, like, that's how it sort of connects with like Chinatown as a whole, right? With um, yep. the, the displacement of those businesses that, were, that, were, uh, that used to be near Canada Place. Yeah. And so the, with that displacement, the people who uh, frequent that part of Chinatown, uh, which we call Chinatown South, um, they lost the, uh, you know, the ability to, to buy things uh, in, you know, if, if they happen to live in that area, like for the seniors and, and for others. So I would say that uh, in, in a way, if you look at it, the plaza itself, the shopping mall, 
is a, a second out, uh, become a replacement of the original uh, stores, even though some of them did move up to 97th Street here. And Games is right. I mean, that's the uh, Pacific Rim Mall Plaza came up shortly after that as well, too, because all the businesses seem to be relocating in this area. So just to reiterate what Lan sort of talked about, for those who are not familiar, in the late 70s, the original Chinatown was raised to make way for the building of Canada Place, which led to the creation of Edmonton Second Chinatown, or Chinatown South, in the Boyle Street area. However, many businesses didn't follow to Chinatown South. Instead, they shifted north along 97th Street, and this became known as Chinatown North. But in this case, Mirama and the other stores that sort of made up part of that mall and that building was one of the few exceptions, one of the few businesses that made a home in Chinatown South. I want to get to the reason why Lan asked me to come out here to Dynasty, but first, Let's Find Out is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation, makers of the Well Endowed podcast. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how does endowments intersect with the community. Just recently, our very own Chris Chang and Phillips was there, along with Sophia Yang, and had a Zoom lunch with Karen Tang and Sarah Chan and talked about the challenges facing Chinese communities in Edmonton. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Let's Find Out is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, home to tons of great local shows, one of which is Creative Block. Here's a taste. Hello. The podcast you're listening to is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Kyle, and I'm the host of Creative Block. It's a podcast where I talk with artists and creative entrepreneurs. So if you're curious to understand the minds of theater producers, local actors, podcasters, or even a guy who created a company making houses out of old shipping containers, then you should come and subscribe to Creative Block, a podcast that comes out twice a month. That's not a threat. It's just a promise. Available anywhere you download podcasts. On the latest episode of Creative Block, Laureen Wales talks about an incredibly icy reception she got when she tried to offer nutrition advice to a crowd, and how she did the thing that you're just not supposed to do when an audience doesn't like you. She chased down the people who swore at her and asked them why. Again, check it out at creativeblock.transistor.fm. I now want to get to that other reason that Lan asked me to come out to Dynasty Century Palace restaurant, because the current owner of this place was the owner of Mirma just shortly before it closed down. So, uh, sorry, my name is Tom Lai. I've been running a restaurant business for, I think, over close to 18 years now. 18 years, okay. Yes. So, <laughs> I didn't even know until you told, until he asked me, I'm like, oh, 18 years? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, you, so you, own, you currently run Dynasty Century Palace now? Yeah, I've been at, uh, with... Dynasty Century Palace here for seven years now. Seven years. Yeah. But you used to, but as Lance sort of said, you used to, you were involved with Mirma for like a year or, or so? Back yeah, actually that's where I started the restaurant business, was basically on 2002 in the late fall. Uh, that's when I started my career into the restaurant business. Uh, ever since then, I've been continuing on till now. This is going to be a long time ago, but do you remember like how you got started with like what what was your involvement in Miramar? Could you describe that a little bit? Like how did you first get involved with it? 
Um, how we first got involved with this, um, uh, that time was me and my partner. Uh, I was actually looking forward towards uh, just a small restaurant business, the family run. But he had a bigger idea that, hey, you know, let's let's get involved into a bigger restaurant. So, and I told him I. <laughs> the funny part is I didn't speak too well of Chinese and I don't know how to read or write. And he says, don't worry, I can take care of that part for you. So he says he'll do that. And I said, are you sure? Because uh, I have no idea of what I'm doing when it's Ken Luong. Sing Leo. Yeah. Yeah. So he was running the business and I was just <laughs> the guy behind the scene because, like I said, I didn't know much about the Chinese clientele. Uh, didn't know the language pretty well. So he kind of guided me through it. I was just wondering, and I think I asked this to other people too, like, do you think there was anything in about Mirma that was like different from like other res- restaurants, at least either both then or like currently, do you think? Different wise, it's just Marama back then was a place, a place to go for family gatherings and banquets and stuff. So, like even when I was young, same with my parents on the weekends, like where do you want to go for dim sum? First thing crossed their minds, Marama, right? And then we would go there and we would wait in line for sometimes forty-five minutes for an hour, sometimes yeah. for two hours. Down that stairway, right? right? That's that's. It's just in your head, right? Everybody, family's like, Marama, Marama, right? Cause so even back in the day, so even before you owned it, so you went there with your parents and stuff like that, right? Yes. Okay. When, when you took over the restaurant, um, what was the clientele like? Like the customers, were they mainly people who, are, um, who frequent Marama? They go there all the time. So you basically inherited the old customers when you took over the restaurant, or are they completely different? No, that time when we took over, we basically inherited the previous customer, and a lot of them were just regular clients, and plus uh, the senior homes was not too far away, so we had a lot of seniors. So a lot of seniors would go there walking distance, so it was really good for them. They're very, they were pretty happy. This is a walking distance, so we had a lot of seniors as clientele and stuff. Okay. Well, there's still like a lot of like family gatherings and stuff like that. Oh, back then was very popular with family gathering because every Saturday or Sunday, yeah. even myself, my parents would drag me out there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, at that time we didn't have much dim sum restaurants in the city. So every Chinese dim sum restaurant was pretty packed, was really busy. So I remember those times. Weekend for sure. Yeah, weekends are always packed and stuff and there's lineups and stuff like that. I, I remember Marama when we go and have dim sum there with uh, friends but the the occasions that really stuck in my mind was when the Chinese community organizations have their banquets there, and then we always invite a number of dignitaries to come out and uh, to give speeches. We do fundraising there. We have done um, Lunar New Year banquets as well as uh, other banquets there. the The key thing I remember. Um, is that the restaurant, the layout of the restaurant, it, it's just a one long hallway. And it's you sit right at the back. You can't see the stage. And, <laughs> and, and people complain about that because they say, I can't see anything. And so when people can't see, they would talk at the back. So it becomes very noisy. So the people who's giving speeches up front are complaining because nobody can hear what they're saying. Um, I think I saw someone joke that like um, you'd know where you'd stand with the family holding the event depending on how, on where you were like stationed. 
<laughs> exactly too yeah no it's just uh land just refreshed my mind memories that um I think the, the Chinese Association stuff, they still held their banquets. Uh, the tradition still going on right now. Uh, it's just now it's held at mostly a dynasty restaurant, okay. Dynasty Century Palace. So like she said, we do celebrate the Mooncake Festival, the Chinese New Year, uh, the Spring Festival. So there's a lot of things that um, we do here as banquets. I guess, that's the, I guess that's a big thing too. I think I realized that like, um, the thing about Miramadet, the reason why I, I'm so interested in it is because like, it seemed like a like a, a place for a lot of like community activity. Same thing, I guess, with like Dynasty Century too. Yeah, that's uh, you're absolutely right. I think it's uh, Marama started everything because it's had such a big it's such a big restaurant. It can hold probably over 500 guests as a capacity. So a lot of the banquets and events would be happening there. But since, like I said, now it's been closed for a while. So I think everything is basically transferred over to the Dynasty Century Palace restaurant. Okay, so the community hasn't like really stopped having those activities. It just sort of moved its other places. Have they moved it? And then, um, like, um, and honestly, probably the banquets are getting a little smaller and stuff because it's before a lot of seniors are so involved. Especially now, the younger generations aren't, you know, too keen with these. They're not as in touch with banquets like and that stuff. stuff. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, hopefully down the road, hopefully they can join in the community and stuff like that and continue on with this tradition. Marama and Sinhe Dynasty, I think, is the biggest uh, uh, restaurant in, in Edmonton. So uh, it's the number one choice for me. Or at least back in the day, right, when it was uh, open. The, it's Marama's... Uh, Again, same. Uh, been sixty-six table, if I remember. Yeah, they were over. I know definitely was over five hundred capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah about so. we have. But it was still a novelty at that time to have people pushing the carts around. Remember? Oh yes, yes, yes. It's uh, e- even weekend here. I mean, right now COVID nineteen. Yes. But, but it was there, and people enjoy going to dim sum where uh, uh, they can see carts being pushed around and. For sure, yeah, it's because it's tradition. Hong Kong style. It's tradition. It's very Hong Kong style. Yeah, it's, it's really our, the, our style, the Chinese tradition yeah. style and stuff that we do push carts and stuff. Honestly, we still do. It's just the uh, yeah, yeah. We still do push carts, but it's just with this COVID nineteen that uh, everything has to be stopped at the moment. But uh, eventually, if things get better, back to normal, we're still going to continue pushing carts. That's because that's our Chinese tradition. Yeah. It's not going to change. You know, that's what people like. That's what people come for. So, but so you were the last owner of that restaurant before it sort of closed. Is that? That's correct. Yeah, we were the last owner of the restaurant. Okay. What happened afterwards? Just closed and just. Um. Yeah, we just decided to down because the we had a dispute with the landlord, so didn't come to uh, to an agreement. So we just decided to shut down and focus on the Garden Bakery. Okay, and then eventually you came to come into the business here with um, Dynasty Century. That's correct, yeah. Marama, we had it probably over a year, year and a, I think two years max. Okay. Then we took over the Garden Bakery. We had that, so... So this is around 2002 to 2005-ish? Oh, we took over Marama late 2002. I think uh, we ran it for about, I'd say, two years. So 2004, 
and then we took over Garden Bakery 2003. I just wanted to jump in here for a sec because according to Tom's recollections, Mirama closed in around late 2006 or so. Yet there are a number of sources that seem to indicate that Mirama stayed open for much longer than that. Even in the last episode, Grace Law remembers going there in around 2008 or so. Also, that story about Mirama being fined for a number of violations of the fire code happened around 2010 or so, so I'm not sure what's going on here. I think I was always like wondering why it closed down. So it, you said it was a dispute with the landlord. and Yeah, it's just a disagreement between us and the landlord and stuff, and it's... That's why we decided to close it down and stuff, so. Okay. But you don't know much about the early history about it, like how it was first set up or like... That, honestly, yeah, I have no idea. I heard it was in the early 80s, that's when the building went up. And, um, yeah, I just, all I remember is just taking over from Mr. Pack. I've just dealt with his wife, uh, sorry, his daughter, Vivian Pack. Yeah, so... That's all I remember. Just as a side note, neither land nor game seems to know exactly when did Mirama started business, except that it had to be around the 80s or 90s. So I tried looking that up on my own. I tried contacting the city archives, but they had no luck in finding out. So I decided to ask former historian laureate Shirley Lowe, who didn't know the answer herself, but she sent me a link to a bunch of phone book scans. And as best as I could determine, the oldest listing is from 1991 under its old name, Furama. With the name changed from Furama to Mirama happening in around 1998 or so. How'd you feel when it was demolished? Or have you even were aware of that? How did I feel? Um... Every- <laughs> Once it's, it's weird. We I heard about it because I don't go that area too often. But once I heard about it, it's just there's a flashback of memories of you know the events, uh, the gatherings. You know, every time you go on the weekend, it's so noisy, so crowded. You know, it's like it's like a so busy. It just reminds you of Hong Kong, basically. You know, that's what it reminds you back home. Sort of similar to like my last question is like, how do you feel about having business closed down then? So Marama? Yeah. So before it was demolished, but like when you were still owning it, and then you made the decision to close it down. Like, what were your feelings on that, if you had any? Well, we were pretty quite disappointed with uh, couldn't come to a agreement with the landlord, you know. So it, it was tough. It was a very tough decision, but. You know, if, if there's, we don't come to an agreement, it's really hard to operate a business if your landlord's not working with you. So. I, I think that um, the, the seniors were quite disappointed. The seniors were extremely Long disappointed because, it, because they go for dim sum on a regular basis. Uh, and correct, they like yeah. going there. It's their um, recreation, really. Um, take them out of their um, uh, apartment, and, and they don't have to drive to go to it. They can walk over. Yeah. And then when you guys decide to close it, I I heard that they were very disappointed because that the closest restaurant to them then is here, 97th Street, which is too far away from them to walk. 
Um, for those who don't know, like which um, seniors' homes are we talking about? This is the uh, Chinese uh, seniors. Uh, elder mansion. We call it elder mansion, and there. Oh, the cultural center. There's a two tower there. Yeah, on 102 Avenue, 96th Street. There, 95th Street. Just one distance. Now, during my first visit, I forgot to ask Tom about what he may have known about the wedding incident that happened in 2004 when two men were killed as a result of a fight between two rival gangs in the building. But I threw a question to Tom on my next visit. So, I guess, if I had to be honest, one of the reasons why like Mirma has always interested me as a topic, as a journalist, is that wedding incident in 2004. So, you came... you. The restaurant came to your ownership after that happened, right? That's correct, yeah. But did you hear much about it back in the day? Um, back in the day, I just heard a little bit here and there. It was just people talking about it, but the the like the real story behind it, I don't know because I've never talked to anybody majority about it. I just heard more rumors and a lot of discussion because Marama back then was a pretty popular restaurant, very famous in the Chinatown. So, uh, you know, if little things happen there or big things, everybody's going to be talking about it. So just, yeah, I, I heard about it, but that's pretty much it. I didn't get a chance to really get the full details. Yeah. How, how long would it have been between that and uh, when, when the ownership came to you? Would it have been like a year, less than a year, you think? I was, Remember, right? it, was, it was less than a year. Um, when we took over, it was in the late falls. And that incident did happen in the summer of that year. So, okay. I, just as a kid, when I was, like, I would have been nine, but, like, I always felt like that was what caused the restaurant's fortune to change a little bit. Is that sort of, do you think that's sort of your sense of it, too? Um, Again, like, I was nine, so, like, I could be wrong. It, it was, it's so hard to get the truth out of from everybody. Um, it's just that, um, we heard about that incident. Um, at the same time, uh, the previous landlord slash owner of the business, uh, he did sell the building to another company. So after when he made that sale, I just decided to retire and sell everything that he had, basically business and stuff like that. So he just didn't want to continue running on, running it. Because before, the reason I guess he was running it, because he owned the building. So he kept the building going on until he found a buyer for it. So once he found the buyer for the building, that's uh, when he just like, oh, you know what? Maybe had an effect on the shooting in the summer and plus selling the building. Plus he's getting a lot older. So it had to do with like quite a few reasons. So, so it's more complicated. Yeah, it's definitely more complicated than what people thought it was or think about it itself. But yeah, it's just, yeah, so we just don't know the, f you know, when we did ask him why he want to sell. He just said he wants to retire, so. Okay. So that was Mr. Pack, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. So, and then that sort of led to the factors that I guess let it close, right? So like the business came into your hands, you're in your partner's hands, and then the, the building itself came into the hands of the other company, and that's what led to an eventual disagreement. That's correct, yes. Okay. Uh, I guess during your ownership, and I guess you didn't, I guess you said that most of the customer interactions was left to your partner, Ken Long, at the time. 
but did it, uh, I, my question, I guess, my last question is, did that incident ever come up while you were, during your time running the business? Of the... Um, yeah, the incident the, with the wedding. The, the wedding incidents? Uh, it was definitely talked about at the beginning. Uh, usually when something is fresh like that, they like to talk about it, but after months and months, things just kind of die down and stuff, so... Well, they talk like did they ask if like if you knew anything or just stuff like that like customers just asked you like did you have any like gossip i guess just, and all that stuff yeah definitely the cover uh, customer did talk to me about it and stuff but like i said i don't know the whole the whole truth about it i just said this is what i heard this is what i heard you know and same thing with them right they'll tell me what they hear about it what they hear and stuff so it's it's all about basically comes down to gossip and stuff it's, the, the true fact is that we were I wasn't there so I really don't know the whole story behind it okay were you ever like annoyed by like this bad press mm, no not really I guess mr. Pack did a really good job of um, uh, after the incidents uh, he did uh, did some something to the business to bring it back to life again, because usually uh, incidents like that can definitely destroy a business. But from what he did was uh, it's quite amazing. He did bring it back to life, and uh, when we took over, we took over in good hands. Um, he definitely uh, gave us a good business to run. So how do you do that? You think just to give a sense. Um, that I honestly, I think he has a lot of, uh, he's a pretty, pretty popular gentleman in the Chinese community. So, uh, he knew a lot of people and stuff like that. So a lot of people do respect him and, um, yeah, like bottom line is everybody knows it's an accident. It wasn't meant to be here and stuff. So there's always forgiveness from the clients or from the customer. It just takes time, right? So, yeah, I guess that's like my impression definitely came from like headlines that just stuck with me, I guess. But, um, yeah, once anything hits the news, is always they make a big, big issue out of it and stuff. But in reality, you know, we still continue on what we have to do as a business owner and stuff. And hopefully everything goes back to normal or better. Things may have briefly went back to normal for Mirama, but it didn't quite last. Next time, I'll try to take a better look at what happened that day in 2004 with that alleged gang incident. Thanks for listening. Let's Find Out is produced by Chris Chang-Yen Phillips, Trevor Chow-Fraser, and me, Nathan Fung. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find them on letsfindoutpodcast.com where you can sign up for a newsletter. Thank you to Lan Chan Marples, Games Choi, Tom Lai, as well as Shirley Lowe. Thanks to everyone who's been supporting this podcast. Original music for this podcast is by the incredible Doug Hoyer. Until next time, keep your questions coming.